Welcome to the Daily Dad Podcast. During the week, we bring you a daily meditation of the best parenting wisdom you can find, drawing on history and philosophy and psychology literature to inspire you to be a little bit better at the most important job you have. And then on the weekends, I have sort of a wrap-up conversation with my friend, fellow dad, and writing partner, Niels Parker. We just explore what's going on in our lives, what we're struggling with as parents, what we're doing well, what we want to do better, and what we've learned along the way, and what we've learned in the last week. So let's go. One of the best things you can do for your kid is to make yourself better. Work on yourself, show them that you're a lifelong learner, that you're always pushing yourself, and that you're not content with whatever random skills you got from your own childhood. And that's where today's sponsor comes in. I'm talking about Skillshare. There's nothing better than getting better, and growth is satisfying, but it's also inspiring. And that's why I think you should try learning a new skill with Skillshare and its amazing community of members. Right now, you can get a free trial of Skillshare's premium membership when you visit Skillshare.com slash Daily Dad. There's nothing better than getting better. Accomplishing growth is satisfying. You can check out all their awesome courses about art, about marketing, about calligraphy, about anything you can imagine. They've got a course on it. Check it out. Skillshare is also surprisingly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than 10 bucks a month. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash Daily Dad. Get a free trial of their premium membership at Skillshare.com slash Daily Dad. Hey, I'm Ryan Holiday. Welcome to another episode of the Daily Dad podcast. I'm here with my friend and partner, Niels Parker. And I thought what we'd talk about today is a topic I, I hear lots of parents talk about uh and and I think you even think about it as you have more than one kid, like sort of stuff you wish you knew the first go around uh, or, or things you might do differently uh, the, the second go around. And so Niels and I are going to kick around, uh, although we're still relatively new at this, uh, some of, the, some of the, the hard won lessons that we've experienced and the things that we tell new parents uh, when when they find out that they're expecting, um, Nils, what what do you what what's uh, I know you're you're only a year or so into this, uh, but what is the as you if you were talking to someone today who just found out they're expecting, can you think of like the first little thing that you might tell them to to think about? You know, the first thing I that jumps to my mind is figuring out how you're going to manage your time around sleep. Um, you know, I hear a lot of people say sleep now because sleep is going to be a thing of the past once you have a baby, which is true and not true. But the reality is you are going to have to figure out who is going to do what with the baby early on when they're getting up every few hours. And if you don't have a plan in place for for who's going to take the baby, are you going to alternate? Are you going to alternate days? Is it going to be every other time? The baby gets up, you get up, you end up getting into these arguments or you end up with decision fatigue and the sleep issue gets worse and worse and worse. So like, it's, it's a very short conversation potentially, but I know it was super important for my wife and I, because I don't sleep very well and she has a hard time getting to sleep. And so just 
knowing that when we went to bed at night, we had a plan. It's like, okay, I'm going to get up first. Then you're going to get up after that. It made things a lot, a lot easier. Um, I know that's not particularly tactical with respect to the baby themselves, but the trickle down of that is, is huge. Yeah. I think it's funny. One of the, one of the first things I heard and, and I won't say who told me, and, and this is a somewhat privileged uh, thing. So, so we'll, 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 we'll say that up front, but, but he said, look, um, hire a night nanny. And he's saying, I'm not, he's like, not 24 seven who can afford that. But he was, he was saying that, you know, you can usually buy them in like packs of, of 10, let's say, right. Like 10 sessions. And he's like, so, so you do it on your own and you, you work out with your spouse, like, so who's getting up, who's not getting up, you figure out a schedule. And he's like, but then you have this kind of like get out of jail free card or like, he's like, when you hit a wall, you're just, you have a way out, right? Like I think, so our first son did not sleep at all uh, for like the first two years of his life. And we, and we sort of, we white knuckled it. We didn't have any help and we didn't have any parents nearby. So there, there was like, there was no way out. And so now like my wife and I were just talking about this a couple of days ago when my, when my youngest son, if he like misses a nap or he has one uh, bad night of sleep, we, we have like these like PTSD flashbacks. We're like, oh my God, he's never going to sleep again. Our lives are going to be ruined. We can't go back to how it was. And the truth is, as bad as my first son's sleeping habits were, it didn't need to be as bad as it was because we were just, we were just never, we were just never trying anything differently. We were just like, we didn't know any better. So we were, we were just like, this is just how it is. And, and so I, I think your point is like, what is your plan is a good one. She's like, what is your plan? What are your options? And then I, I would also say like, what are, what are the, what are the release valves that you have? And, and so, so you guys know what your sort of your absolute breaking point is and you don't get there. Yeah. We, I got the same advice from, uh, from my agent, actually uh, he he has three kids and he's yeah. like it'll it's going to save your marriage it's going to save your sanity and it's going to help you be more productive we didn't get one um also you had a kid during a pandemic so it makes a little sense it made a little sense my wife is very private she does not like the idea of like somebody just in our house at night it right. sort of creeped her out and we got very fortunate will sleeps very well or has he had maybe a, a one week stretch where during sleep training where he was a problem um, but it was just that he got up multiple times and then he had to scream himself to sleep. Um, we got very fortunate, but your point about release valves is so well taken because, you know, one of the things, and this is sort of another thing to think about as you're getting ready to have a baby is what are your, what I realized, I realized very quickly when I had, when we had Will, what my weaknesses, what my primary weaknesses were and mine was patience. Like it's, it's going to, a baby is going to expose your weakest vulnerabilities. And when he would just not, when he would writhe around or when he wouldn't go down or when he wouldn't take the bottle, I, I found myself struggling with patience. And we had a monitor uh, in his room and Jen and I would sort of have these key phrases that if we heard each other saying them, it's like, okay, one of us has got to, you know, tag in and, and swap out because the other person was kind of redlining. Yeah, that that that's something I think you have to have an open line of communication with the partner about is either one of you has to be able to say, like, I'm done, like, I'm out, like, uh, no more for me, because 
what happens is, yeah, let's say you're putting on a diaper and they're wriggling around or they're screaming or they're hitting or they're just doing any of the things that for whatever reason on that day, in that moment, because of what you've gone through or because whatever your to- tolerance level is, um, you you just, you can't handle it. It triggers something, it makes you upset. If you feel like, well, I have to do this. It's my job to do this. I said I was going to do X or it's my responsibility because of this gender role or that role to handle this. If you push past that breaking point, the person who suffers is not you. It's the person on the other end of the treatment, right? Like you, so, so you have to be able to go like, I'm done. Uh, I can't handle it. They're being crazy in the bath. And the, like, it's like, you have to be able to tap out, uh, and, and have the other wrestler come in. Um, and if, if, if you don't work on that in your relationship, then the other person is going to resent you or feel frustrated or not understand that this isn't like, this isn't about you. This is about you have used up the extent of your energy and you have to be able to pass the baton without explanation and without judgment, uh, like right now. Yeah. And that's extending the amount of time you have before you pass the baton is part of the reason to have a plan in place before you start. And just to give yourself that little bit more uh, energy and that little bit more cognitive space. But yeah, eventually, for whatever reason, you are going to run out of steam. And, you know, charging through that wall, white knuckling it, it, the downstream consequences are so profound and so predictable. Like you can see it coming. You can feel it coming when you walk downstairs and somebody's making dinner or the next day when you don't get enough sleep, like it, and the resentment will build and build and build. And then not only is it the person on the other side of the exchange who is, who is falling victim to, to sort of your stubbornness, but then it starts to affect your child because they are in the presence of that bubbling resentment. And that's when things start to really go sideways. Well, it's funny, like you talk to your kids as they get older about like, okay, do you sort of recognize that you're starting to get hungry or you recognize that you're starting to feel like you have to go to the bathroom? Like you expect your kids to be able to recognize certain forces or needs or urges kind of bubbling up inside them. Um, and and you you even get really good at recognizing them at them. It's like, okay, the kids are being a little crazy. They're starting to act out because I'm on my phone or they're starting to act out because it's nap time or lunchtime or it's time to go or whatever it is. Um, but then you turn around and you are getting grouchier and grouchier and grouchier. Your patience is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. You know, your tolerance for this is getting less and less and less. And not only do you not recognize it, sometimes you do recognize it and you're just like, whatever, it's the kid's fault. You just force through it. And, and you have to be able to catch that in yourself and either stop it or just hand off to somebody else um, because that's what a, an adult who's responsible for their emotions has to figure out how to do. And you can't expect your kid to do it if you aren't doing it yourself. Yeah. And it's especially problematic. Like I've, I have a tendency or I've had a tendency in the past to sort of view things on sort of a ledger basis, like, you know, wanting, wanting us to sort of be even partners in in these things or, or, uh, you know, I did it for this long, you do it for that long, that kind of thing. And ultimately whether or not 
it's not about whether or not you and your partner come out even when when all things when everything's said and done. It's really about how additive you are collectively to the lives of your children. And you know, sometimes that might mean that you are you are on it for multiple days in a row. And sometimes that might be, you know, you've just got to de- disconnect and decompress for two hours and then just hand them off because it is in the best interest of of your child. And that's that's hard if you have a zero sum or a, or a ledger based sort of approach to co-parent. Got a quick message from one of our sponsors and then we'll get right back to the show. Stay tuned. For Father's Day last year, my wife got me a subscription to StoryWorth. And StoryWorth is awesome. Every week it asks you like a provocative, thought-provoking question for a, a story about your life, which you answer over email, you attach photos. And then at the end of the year, it compiles all the stories, including the photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped to you. So here, as we approach Mother's Day, StoryWorth, the sponsor of today's podcast, is suggesting that StoryWorth makes a great Mother's Day present. It's a great way to honor your wife, mom, and any special moms in your life with this heartfelt, sentimental gift. It's just a a wonderful way to learn about each other, to share in a profound, special way. Get your mom the most meaningful gift this Mother's Day with StoryWorth. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com slash dailydad. You get 10 bucks off your first purchase at storyworth.com slash dailydad for 10 bucks off. Yeah, I think it's the it's the law of comparative advantage, right? The idea that, uh, you know, you should both cook 50% of the time because that's fair if if it's 70% harder for one of you to cook than the other because the other's not very good at it. Like, you, you should be able to specialize in the relationship. Um, but, and, and and yeah, it's 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 about like, first off, is the job getting done? And second, like, show me uh, one great team where all the workload and all the uh, talent is evenly distributed throughout the organization or the starting five or the, you know, the, the tennis doubles or whatever. That's, that's not how it is at all. But what matters is, does it add up to, uh, uh, you know, a great sort of uh, outcome. And I think more importantly, is everyone doing their best, right? If things are lopsided because one of the people is phoning it in and the other person is killing themselves, well, that's very unfair. If it, if the workload is somewhat, uh, you know, lopsided, but each person is doing their absolute best, uh, and it's lopsided in one direction here and lopsided in the other direction here, well, that adds up to a pretty fair distribution of work and responsibilities. Yeah, it's like a baseball team. You know, they, they, there's 25 guys on the roster, and there's there are two guys whose job is to be left-handed and come in for two at-bats in, in the seventh inning every other game. Like, yeah. they do so little, but they are so critical to connecting connecting together for victory. When, and to go back to this idea of like you, you feel like you're getting towards that breaking point, it's building, building, building. I have never won, and and you you're probably not quite there yet, but like never once have I, you know, putting on pajamas, getting out of the bath, you know, getting to eat something, getting them in the car, whatever. Never a single time have I gotten upset or frustrated or, you know, like, ah, stop. Um, and then afterwards been like, 
I'm so glad I did that. It so yeah. accomplished, you know, what I wanted to accomplish. I so hope that they remember this moment. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it inevitably it's a moment of regret and not just regret. It's a moment of, of like, Oh shit. How, how, this expresses the exact opposite of how I feel about this person. How can I now express to them without, you know, uh, you know, how can I now express to them that I didn't really mean how I was in that moment? And, and, and so you have it, the only solution is to just not do that. Oh, I, I could not even agree more. It's because, you know, you think about imprinting on children when they're very young and, you know, from zero to six, the number of memories we have that are the small moments that we don't ever think about that just happen to stick in, in, in your brain when you're a kid and any one of these little sort of ejaculations of frustration could be the thing that imprint on your, on your child's brain. And it's, and it happened in this brief moment of frustration where a hundred different things in your life unrelated to your child were, were playing on your mind while you had to do some small sort of normal piece of parenting. And the fact that that could have a long lasting impact is just terrifying so you have i mean you have to do everything in your power to to remove yourself from that response or to take that breath in between the emotion and the action yeah no totally the stimulus and the response and then a big part of it is just uh you know when you start to feel yourself losing that control this is when you you gotta you gotta tap out yeah. Because the thing, it doesn't fucking matter. That's the really hard thing to wrap your head around is that it really doesn't matter. Like if the pajamas go on 10 minutes later and you just like, if they're being crazy, just let them be crazy. Like, so, I feel like so much of those moments of stress for me come from when I'm forcing something that I've arbitrarily made up needed to happen. Right. Like if I lost my temper because like, uh, there was a tornado coming and I needed to get them into their car seat while we, you know, drove away or something. You know, I'm I'm not sure I'm gonna dwell on that. It's it's like, I mean, why did I lose my temper about, you know, that bedtime is seven oh six PM instead of, you know, seven PM? Like no, it doesn't it doesn't matter at all. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of how people approach dieting, right? It's like you you want to have a nutritional approach. But that doesn't mean that you can't ever have something off diet ever again for your entire life. And when that when you take that approach, all of a sudden nutrition becomes a burden, diet becomes a burden. It's the same thing with setting up schedules and routines for children. Like it's good to have them, you need to have them. But if you hew to them without exception, it becomes like this life inside a prison. It's it's horrible for everybody. So some more uh, little uh, wish I'd known uh, hacks. This is a, I'll, I'll, I'll get my very privileged ones out of the way. We took a baby uh, class at the hospital that we uh, had had our, our kids at. And like the birthing coach or whatever was like, I'm going to let you guys all in on a secret. When you check into the hospital, tell them that you want like the birthing suite. And, and I remember hearing this and going like, birthing suite was that like what beyonce has you know you see it on tv shows like what is that ten thousand dollars or something and uh and so i was like how much is this birthing suite and she's like you know it was like an extra 150 dollars a night or something and it was basically a hospital room at the hospital that had you know 
an extra like pull out couch in it and uh it included meals or, or, or something but the the point was um they they have one at the hospital we had our kid at they had one of these suites. And so there was, it was, and it was first come first serve. Obviously you had to pay for it, but it cost about, you know, as much as a night at a best Western or something. And and even if it had cost 10 times as much, it still would have been a fantastic deal because, um, what are three nights in the hospital, not sleeping in a chair, um, you know, w- worth. And so whenever I talk to parents, I'm like, you know, find out at the, you, cause you pick a hospital, if you are having a hospital, find out, uh, what a nicer room, uh, us, you know, uh, your own room at the hospital costs, because that's the other thing is it's not just like, Oh, this one, you know, is, is somewhat private. It's like, it's the difference between sharing a room with someone and not sharing a room with someone in, in many cases. And those two nights, what I always tell expecting parents, those two nights at the hospital, that's like that, that those are your last two nights on earth, you know, like those are your last two nights before your life changes forever. And, uh, anything you can spend any way you can enjoy that before, you know, you go back to your, uh, insane, chaotic, uh, you know, I don't want to say nightmare, but disaster of a house is money well spent. Oh yeah. Because when you leave that hospital, your life is is there waiting for you. Yes. Number one, and now you have a a third person in that life. And what what they don't really tell you is that when you're when it's time to leave the hospital, they put you in a wheelchair, they wheel you to the front door, and it's like, see you later, have a good right. life. And I remember my my sister in law had twins and when they drove home, she wouldn't get out of the car. She's like, why did they let me leave with these two precious angels? I have no idea what I'm doing. You're not qualified at all. They're like, someone will come get your baby those first two nights. And this goes back to the the Mm -hmm. night nurse thing. Someone will come take your baby and take care of it while you recover. And, uh, yeah, you, you should do, don't do it halfway. If you don't have to do it halfway, obviously, if you can't afford it, and it may be more expensive where 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 anyone listening is having their kid, but to like so that we did it the first time and it was so nice. And then the second time, uh, we got in and and we were like, hey, you know, we'd like the suite or, or whatever if it's available. And then you know you uh, you go into the the room where you actually have the kid first, and and uh, you know they they were like, yeah, yeah, okay. And then like like my wife like mid labor like multiple times was like. Did you hear me? Please tell me where we are on the list for the thing. Cause you're, you know, you're competing with other parents who are like sort of coming out of, of, uh, of giving birth at who's going to go into what recovery room. And it, that was like, that was like, I think our main objective. We were like, we don't want to share a room with someone if we don't have to like, please give us the best Western suite. <laughs> it's like push for privacy, honey, push for privacy. <laughs> exactly. Got a quick message from one of our sponsors, and then we'll get right back to the show. Stay tuned. You might not know this about me, but I just cannot write, cannot think, cannot work if I haven't shaved first in the morning. And I'm not saying I can grow an impressive beard, but I just don't like being scruffy. And that's where today's sponsor comes in. I'm talking about Harry's. They don't make you choose between a great shave and a fair price. They deliver a close, comfortable shave at less than two bucks a refill. For a limited time, they're offering their starter set plus a free body wash for just three bucks at harrys.com slash daily dad. They deliver your razors right to your door. It's two bucks a refill. They even have their own factory so they can 
guarantee uh, high quality razor blades. It's a cool factory in Germany. For a limited time, they've made an exclusive offer even better for listeners of this podcast. New customers get a special offer and a Harry starter set. Body wash at harrys.com slash daily dad. You get a five blade razor, a weighted Truman handle, foaming shave gel, a travel blade cover, and a travel size body wash. There's never been a better time to try Harry's. Go to harrys.com slash daily dad to redeem your offer today. So yeah, so there's, I guess there's some little things like that. What what have you, what have you found? Uh, what, what are, what are other things you, you maybe you wish you'd known? I think I wish that I had known how, it's weird, how resilient little babies are, but also how quickly they can get themselves into trouble or if you're not paying attention and just how important attention is. Um, like the other day I was playing around with one of, uh, one of the daily stoic coins. I was just sort of fiddling sure. with it while I, while I cooked. And then I was, I handed it to Will to play with while I, while I did something and I, to let the dogs in and I turned around and the thing was gone and I could not find it anywhere. And I, I had this internal battle about how, you know, kids are resilient. They'll, they'll not only are they resilient, but they will, they will respond. They will let you know what's wrong. And, but then I was like, okay, what, what do I do if he's actually choking? Where do I call? What do I do? You know, not how, I wish I'd known how easy it would be. It was to have all those resources ready to, to call upon um, but when you don't have them, how much panic they can produce, um, and how much panic you can relieve from your life just by getting prepared for the little things of, of taking care of, of a baby. No, that's of- a really good one. I mean, w- one of the things we did, uh, and then we, when we, when we had a nanny briefly before the pandemic, we insisted that they do, which is that I think all parents and parents to be and aunts and uncles or, or whatever should take a CPR class, like, uh, get certified in, in how not to just do CPR for adults, but specifically for babies. And I remember I was at a, a friend's house and, uh, you know, their kids started choking on something and like, they had also taken this class, so they knew what to do, but, but you know, what you don't want is this moment of like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Who can take care of this for me? You want at the most basic level to know what it is that you're supposed to do. Oh yeah. My, I remember my uncle, he, when, when his niece was little, she very nearly choked on, uh, on pizza. And when they had kids for the next 15 years, Anytime they had anything cheesy or chokeable, he was over, he was panicked. Like he would watch over them like a hawk. And I asked him like, well, do you know how to take care of it? He had never taken a CPR class right. to, to mitigate that, that anxiety. I'm like, there's a right. very Don't, don't, don't attack cheese. Just figure out how to give someone CPR. Yeah. And the Heimlich. And yeah. the fact that he had not taken this, the short amount of time to educate and teach himself, but instead spent effectively 18 years panicked anytime they went and got a slice of pizza with defied explanation. Well, that's one of the things you can do. You know, parents will sort of do this thing to be like, you know, how many child molesters live in my neighborhood? You can like look on your, on, on, 
there's like sort of maps that show you where the registered sex offenders are. What I would do is look up how long the average paramedic call is in your neighborhood, like how long it takes to get where you are. Because like in the county where I live, it's like 17 minutes. It's like an obscenely long time because we're out in the middle of nowhere. And, and uh, you know, I'm not sure how much I trust the paramedics out here to begin with. So it sort of gives you a sense of like, oh, okay, like here's like the first six minutes of this or whatever it is, like I'm on my own. And that there's a lot of problems that if you don't solve them in six minutes, like there is no solution. And so I, I would urge parents to sort of get a sense of like, you know, like how how capable do I actually have to get here? Because uh, if if I don't know what to do, um, it's very unlikely someone's going to be able to to save my ass. Yeah, and the other side of that equation is not only how how fast is the paramedic ride, but how far is the closest hospital? The closest right, right, because it's seventeen minutes to get there, and then. 28 minutes to get where you need to go. I mean, you're, you're already, you know, there, there's, unless it's a broken arm, most of the serious problems of, uh, you know, shaking themselves out by the time, you know, where, I, where I am, would you be able to do anything? Certainly anything like choking. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, it's a very, it's, you know, it's a bit of a macabre calculus, but you definitely need to know, okay, I am, <clears throat> I'm seven minutes from the closest ER and the typical paramedic call takes three minutes. Like what, is this something where I need to wait three minutes or should I get in the car and go to the ER right now? Or can I take care? And can I take care of it in the, in the intermediate? Like what are those? Right. No, no, that's a great point too. Yeah. I think, you know, depending on where you are, depending on what the budget concerns are in your area, like you you might think like, Oh, I'm going to call someone. They'll come in here and tell me what to do. But you've got to have a strong sense of like, no, this is a problem where every minute counts. And so I can't wait for an adult, you know, to come in and say to me, I got to go. I got to go there. Yeah, I've got to triage and I got to move. And knowing what those things are and how to do them, you know, and what's interesting, I think, is that for the most part, only a few things can cover uh, a lot of problems. Like it's it's breathing and bleeding. Like, how do you, how do you start one and stop the other? You know, if, if you can get some basic first aid in both of those areas, um, it'll, it'll help you make the decision one way or the other. I, this is getting a, a bit morbid. So I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, cha- yeah. I'll change, I'll change directions with something that I got from Pete Holmes. That is, I think is, was, was great. You know, people are like, Oh, before you have kids, you know, go do this, go do that. You know, it's all about sort of like, like big stuff you want to do. And, and his joke was like, um, go watch all the the movies uh, where like bad stuff happens to kids that you were planning on watching. You know, like it's like if you've never seen Manchester by the sea, uh, you have to watch that now because you, it will be impossible for you to enjoy once you have kids. Like you might like Law & Order SVU now, but as soon as you have kids, like the show is like unwatchable unless you're like, uh, super fucked in the head. So like, it, it, I thought it was a, a actually like a great sort of like uh, mundane thing uh, as you're expecting is like, just go watch things that you know involve children or know involve, you know, like irresponsibility and such because, uh, because this is, you're not going to be able to enjoy it for like the next 20 years. 
got a quick message from one of our sponsors, and then we'll get right back to the show. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Ryan. As you know, with Daily Dad and Daily Stoke, I have an e-commerce business, so I know all about the pains and hassles of running an e-commerce business. More people are shopping online than ever, and all these orders mean a lot of orders that have to go out fast, and that's why online sellers use ShipStation. No matter how much you sell, ShipStation makes it super easy to manage and ship all your orders from all your sales channels faster, cheaper, and more efficiently. Import orders from any sales channel, ship from any carrier, access super discounted shipping rates, including UPS, FedEx, and USPS. Automate just about any shipping task. Ship less in more time with ShipStation. Just use the offer code DAILYDAD to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months of free, no-hassle, stress-free shipping. Go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, type in Daily Dad. That's ShipStation.com, enter code Daily Dad, make ship happen. <laughs> that's so good. That that makes a ton of sense. I, I, I would never have thought to do that, but that's that's totally right. Like anytime I see something, uh, any show now with a with a kid being hurt or or abducted or anything like that it's it it definitely it, there's a visceral response that that occurs it's yeah like we were we were watching the crown and then there's like the episode with the the coal mining disaster where it wipes out the school and my wife oh. was just like nope not watching that episode you know and so it was like that'd be a great like it, it i ended up watching it but this this was this should have been a show that we crossed off you know our bucket list earlier um and and then now because we have kids, like just large chunks of it are are totally totally unenjoyable. Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. What what I was what I got sort of early on, I think I think it was even from from you is like figuring out the products and the things that are going to save your life, like or going to make your life so much easier. Like the snoo, I remember you told me about. Did the you snoo. get one? Yeah. Oh, it's insane. You're like, hey, let me tell you about this crib. It's $2,000. And by the way, a normal crib is like $200. Um, you know, uh, you should check that out. And you'd be like, uh-huh, I don't think so. But then you get it and you're like, oh, wow, this is worth every penny. Yeah. So, so we, I canvassed a lot of, well, after you told me about that and then I looked it up and we got one, I started to canvass uh, all my friends who had had kids and like, what were some of the things that they just couldn't live without uh, with respect to their kids uh, over the last 10, 15 years? And it really helped in terms of like different music things and different, different food, like food bowls or food types or like food purees. Like I remember one friend was telling me, you know, there's this impulse early on to like make your own, your baby's own food or sure. find the things that they like and blend them in the steamer. It's like, there's this company called Cerebelli and they make these amazing purees that kids eat like they're made out of crack and you can put them into things when you bake muffins or make waffles out of them. Like they're multifunctional and they're, they've got all the vegetables and all the minerals and vitamins that you want. I never would have found that. And Jen and I would never have found that if we hadn't heard about it from a friend of ours. And so if you can, if you can source your, like the must have products, the ride or die products from your friends uh, who have kids that it could do, go a long way to, uh, to making, especially these first few years, super, uh, or more smooth. 
Yeah, no, it's funny. I had Dr. Carp on the podcast. Uh, I think it was on the Daily Stoic podcast, but it, I would, it, there is a part of me, he's the inventor of the snoo, there is a part of me that thinks like, okay, if the snoo turns, if the, if the research in the future turns against the snoo, we are going to look like monsters. Like I have, my parents gave me like a uh, high chair that I had as a kid. And it's like wooden and it has these like, it's super heavy. It has all these metal latches on it. And you're just like, who thought this was a good idea? Like, this is like, like if you were trying to design like a guillotine for kids' fingers, like that's what this is, right? So obviously we don't use it, but it's like, I, I can imagine like flashing forward and trying to explain to my kid that I put him in a, in a straight jacket uh, connected to my smartphone and it just vibrated him so we didn't have to pick him up when he cried. <laughs> you know, like it sounds like a, a device that would uh, be responsible for generational trauma um but on the other hand it, it actually does seem to work quite well yeah we we had that conversation around one of those uh you know those bouncers that you hook into the frame above the door yes yes apparently those are not good for kids because especially i don't even think they're illegal in the united states we had to like get one from a friend in canada because apparently it's like about spinal compression and they yeah. don't it's it's like i had one of those when i was a kid everybody i knew had one of those right. as a kid. and so we when we found out about that we we found some other thing that allows them to allows them to sort of suspend himself and and bounce a little bit but uh, it's the same thing like can you imagine what they must have gone through as developing that product and all of a sudden there, there's this new research that there's a it uh it promotes spinal compression <laughs> oh god please don't do that to me no and and i i do think again the, the, this is there. There's a, a an element of privilege to it, but if you have the financial resources, like go find what the best thing is and buy it. So, like you know, we, the amount of money that we've spent on stuff that then immediately went in the trash because it sucked or it didn't work, um, we would have just been better buying the the good thing the the first time. You know, like at the beginning of the pandemic, um, you know, we. I take my kids for this walk every morning and then we run a lot too. You know, we bought this like the highest end sort of like Bob stroller, uh, like the, the side-by-side one. It was like $800. Um, but to, I was thinking about this yesterday. It was like, we've probably put 2000 miles on it, 2,500 miles, like some obscene amount of miles. Right. And, and it, it's, we've only had it for a year, but that's like $2 a day. And let's say, so then let's say we have it for another two years, you know, it gets, it gets very cheap, very quickly when you think about it that way. Um, meanwhile, we have a, uh, we have a bike trailer that we put the kids in. And I remember when we were buying it, it is a burly bike, uh, bike trailer. It was $400 for like the higher end one. And it was $450 for the highest end one where the seat reclines. And we were like, well, $400 is already so much for a bike trailer. We'll just get that one. We don't need like this seat reclining. But our kids can't nap or don't nap very well in the one we got. Whereas if they could recline, they would sleep. And so it's like, we've had this, you know, trailer for 18 months and you're telling me that, you know, for $50, I could have gotten 50 naps or, you know, like 50 hours uh, of quiet to myself because they would have been asleep instead of, you know, yelling that they wanted to go home. Like, you know, that would have been the best money I'd ever spent in my life. And so sometimes you, it's, it's not like you're not doing this for yourself. You're investing in your kid and you're also investing in the overall sort of happiness and, uh, you know, sanity of your family. So you really should not cheap out on this stuff. And it, it, 
you have to do what you said, which is go talk to people, get, you know, triangulate all the opinions, look at Wirecutter, look at, you know, sort of influencers that you trust and just like buy the experience buy the good thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be the most expensive thing, but buy the best, don't buy the cheapest. Uh, it, it's, it's better to be, you know, sort of, uh, uh, what is that? Um, don't be penny wise and pound foolish. I guess what I'm saying. Yeah. And cause really what you're buying is t- you're buying back your time and your energy and that you can then apply to yourself to better yourself, to be productive in professional uh, capacity to dedicate to your spouse or to rededicate to to your relationship to your kid when they wake up, you know, in the case of like a stroller that you can nap in. And what's so fascinating to me is how easy it is to forget that. Because when you talk to parents who have sort of been through the other side of the first five years, all they want to tell you is how tough time moves so fast. Yes. All, all they want to tell you is that, you know, days go Days last forever and and years disappear in the blink of an eye. It's like, well, you're fixated with time. Why don't you start reserving some of it and saving some of it and building up an energy store to maximize the time that you do have by getting the good thing right away? Well, and and look, it's it's uh, it's not just you. You're not just saving time for you. It's like so they napped better or they ate better or they feel better. So now they're paying attention better in school or they're eating better or you know like it you're also buying things that matter to them that make their life easier. And that sort of ripples through everybody's lives and, yeah. and has sort of compounding cumulative effects for, you know, as long as they're here. Which means not only do they get even cheaper, they actually become value additive. Totally. All right, man. Well, let's do another episode on this soon. Uh, more uh, things that we wish we'd, uh, oh, more things we wish we knew when we were expecting or starting out. And I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dad podcast. It would mean a lot to us and help a great deal if you could subscribe and also leave us a review in iTunes. And most importantly, if you could send one of these messages to someone you know who would benefit from them. <laughs>